0: The debate on platform work and especially the delivery platforms focuses mainly on the legal status of the worker. Is the delivery worker now an independent contractor or an employee? This is since in many western countries things like security and representation are attached to the employment contracts. However, in practice, employing the workers means being employed by an intermediary with the most minimal protection legally possible. Too often This discussion is looked at with a purely Western, Europe and North America, perspective. Looking at figures from the Leeds Index of Platform Labour Protests, a database of nearly 2,000 worker protests in the platform economy, shows that what workers are protesting for varies from country to country and continent to continent. Around the world, protesting for a labour contract is an issue in only 20.3% of all protests recorded. This is because in many places in the world, an employment contract does not bring with it any additional securities. For example, employment status is an issue in 37.1% of protests in North America. In Africa, it's only 4.7%. Over the years, you can see work platforms that classify workers as freelancers, incorporating certain securities and perks for workers into work processes in all sorts of ways. These include insurance, Parental leaves and discounts on resources needed to perform the work. One of the platforms that has formally secured this in its organization is Glovo, a delivery platform operating in 24 countries, mainly in southern and eastern Europe and Africa. In 2021, the platform launched the Couriers Pledge, a promise to make improvements for delivery workers around four pillars: safety, community, equality, and income. This prompted me to travel to Barcelona to talk to Magali Gurman, institutional affairs and government relations at Glovo, about the story behind the pledge for the gig work podcast from the Wage Indicator Foundation. So we're here in, uh, in Barcelona at uh, the headquarters of, uh, of Glovo. Talking to, to Magali Guerman. Magali, can you first introduce yourself? Hi,
1: thanks for having me. My name is Magali Guerman, and I'm currently government relations specialist uh, here uh, at Glovo headquarters, Barcelona.
0: Okay, for people that don't know Glovo, can you give some more information?
1: So Glovo it's is a delivery platform. We are born and based in Barcelona since 2015. Uh, we're currently present in 24 countries, which is more or less uh, 1,500 cities. And there are currently 170K partners connected to our app. These are restaurants, but also flo- flower shops, toy shops, sex shops, uh, and very different type of businesses. And of course, there's uh, 75K couriers connected to our app that uh, offer their delivery services through global. Uh, Globo's vision is to, well, is giving everyone easy access to anything in their city. So the anything part of the of the vision is actually really really important. It really drives business at, at Globo. Global. Yeah. Okay. Of and course, we're masters of food, but that's that's our vision, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember a couple of years ago uh, talking to 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 founder of one of your competitors that say at the moment that you know how to deliver food, then you can deliver everything. My mistake. <laughs> And can you tell me some, something more about the process? So, so how does Glovo work for your, for your clients because you are a multi-sided marketplace?
1: Yes. Uh, so basically we have three clients. So what we call partners, these are businesses. Couriers and users are the what, people who, are, who enter the marketplace to buy things. Each one of them, we have a, an app dedicated to this group of people. So for example, for partners, they sign up, they upload all of their products and basically they can start delivering. So they receive an order, they prepare it, and then a courier comes to their pl- wherever they are and they take the order to the user. For the couriers, they can, well depending on the country, but most, in most countries what happened is they open the app, either they booked a slot to deliver or not, it depends on the country. And basically, they are offered a, a, a delivery. They can accept it or not. If they do, they get all of the details from the partner and the user. And they need to get to the partner and deliver the, the package to the user. And to the user, I guess most people know how it works like, but they just enter the marketplace, they buy whatever they need, and they get it delivered to their homes.
0: You say, okay, uh, there are quite some differences per country. In what kind of regions is, is Global active?
1: Global is currently active in Southwest Europe. This is Italy, Spain, and Portugal in SE, what we call ECA, Eastern Central Africa, Eastern Central Asia, sorry, then in some African countries.
0: okay. Yeah. And there are also some local differences within the platform and the app and the way how it works.
1: Yeah, of course, this is related to different regulations. Uh, so yeah, depending on on the market and how legislation looks there, platforms need to adapt their operations.
0: Yeah, I think it's good also to really mention, and, and probably it will be also in different parts of the interview because most people, they think it's just one service and you just copy and paste everywhere, but at every country, yeah, you need to adapt to the local circumstances, culture, re- regulation, yeah. everything.
1: But not only regulation, right? Like you also need to adapt to... to- people, I mean, users there, what they want. Also to things like, things that platforms cannot control, like roads, the state of the roads, how much do usually, for example, restaurants take uh, to prepare an order, what type of orders couriers want to do. So I think it's, it's not only about regulation, it's also understanding more or less how things work somewhere and building operations that actually respond to, to those needs, right? For example, just thinking in Europe. We're based in Barcelona and we're very used to seeing bicycles, scooters, I don't know, crazy things <laughs> in the streets. People that are standing up, but they're moving. Uh, that's not the case, for example, in SE, in, I think it was in Romania, where, where I learned recently that most couriers, they deliver by car because it gets way colder than it does, for example, in Barcelona. And it's because it's a cultural thing, right? Like people own cars. So you need to adapt operations to all of these little details.
0: I also re- remember a, a, a academic paper where they look at the entry strategies of, I think, Uber and and Airbnb in different countries. I think in Egypt, the Netherlands, and, and and UK. In Egypt, Uber really also invests in in the roads itself because they were not as good as as at many other places. Exactly. So, if you want to offer taxi services, first thing that you need to have is a good road to to drive on.
1: Yes, but even cities like yeah, and, and not only about like the state of the roads even the, the size of cities change operations or or really how long is a user willing to wait for an order right like maybe in barcelona i think we're very impatient we want things right now but maybe in other cities it's it's more frequent to wait for something for an hour and and that's okay right so yeah you you really need to adapt to 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 address really what the user is after yeah all yeah. of like the three users and not just the final consumer uh, yeah final user
0: yeah, 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 Because it's it's it, it always uh, the balance between th- three different uh, stakeholders you need to make uh, make happy.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: That's I think, the, the uh, always the biggest challenge of uh, of every platform uh, there. And today we're also going to or we mostly are also going to to to, to talk about uh, the courier pledge uh, you introduced in in two thousand twenty one. Can okay. you give me some some more background uh, about yes. it? Yes.
1: So the Courier's pledge basically was a com- commitment that we announced in twenty twenty one. Uh, to improve benefits and protections for all couriers connecting to the GLOW-UP regardless of their labor contract, right? So basically, the rationale behind this is to put in practice this flexibility with increased protections and benefits that, that the, sec- the platform sector usually advocates for. So we announced it in 2020, f- 2021. We started a, a pledge in Morocco and Georgia. Uh, and basically, benefits, I mean, how it works, is launching Pledge, we, there are four pillars of benefits. So once we decide to launch it in a country, then first, well, we need to go through some internal processes, budget-related and organization, and then couriers would get access to all of the benefits that are related to these four pillars. We usually do an event or something for couriers to find out, and then we, we push it in their app so they know that they can a- access these benefits.
0: Okay, so so also for people that don't know the pledge, so there are four pillars. One is about safety, community, equality, and and, and earnings. Yes. But what you say in every country, we're looking. Okay, so so what what does community means? for your target audience, uh, uh, your writers in country X, and then see, okay, how do we need to adapt the the pledge to the local circumstances and needs of the workers over there?
1: We've been implementing pledge for two years now. It's implemented in all countries, well, no, in 21 countries out of the 24 countries. We're working on the last three. Um, And to be fair, that was one of the big main learnings that we got as we implemented the project, right? Because the initial vision was to create a standard for the gig economy and actually invite other platforms to join the standard. So basically, the way we thought about it is four fixed pillars and a set of fixed benefits, which included maternity paternity leave, safety trainings, extra bonuses for people to take days off, among other other things. As we started to activate this sort of protections in in all countries, we realized that in some countries, couriers... For example, didn't need maternity, paternity leave because either they're very young, they're not interested in having children. Uh, so what we did was we we kept our initial commitment, the core list of, of protection. So maternity and paternity leave is active in almost all countries uh, now, but we also started adding like an extra layer of benefits that resonated more with, with couriers. So for example, I think it was in Ivory Coast, Kenya and Uganda that couriers were I mean, we started receiving feedback in focus groups that queers were having eye problems, and the the current uh, insurance that we were offering them didn't cover eye doctor. Right, so we we set a collaboration with this with, with a company that I don't want to mention, <laughs> uh, basically for queers to have access to an eye check, and if they needed gla- a pair of glasses, and uh, and this was something that maybe we wouldn't have thought about at the beginning because eye check. I don't know, it's not something that you would necessarily think a courier really needs. But it was very interesting to see how, in some countries, our idea of benefits really fit the country, and couriers were super happy. And in other countries, they were actually after different things. And I think this really teaches us how heterogeneous and different like couriers are, even in the same country, right? Like, it can change city per city. And it, it was a very interesting exercise of really understanding, okay, What are couriers after in this country, in this region, at at this time of the year? Um, And I think now that, let's say, pledge has been implemented in most countries and and it's basically it's embedded in operations because now a budget covers uh, these protections, the operations team, they know that they should offer this at all times for couriers. And I mean, it's, it's already settled. This isn't any official statement, but probably... In the future months or years, the the I mean the next steps would be to continue adjusting this like set of benefits so that couriers are more and more let's say happier with this sort of benefits. So in the end, after two years, we think as the this benefits as a base, and now we want to see how we continue increasing this increasing these benefits in a way that really makes couriers feel that they have enough protections to deliver safely.
0: So, first big hurdle is to adapt the pledge to the local circumstances and the local wishes of the couriers. Okay. And then it starts also, so, then it starts set in stone. But from then, you keep on monitoring to see, okay, so so does it really work out as we the way we thought about? It? Do conditions change? Maybe there's another pandemic. Let's <laughs> hope that it will never happen again. <laughs> or these kind of things. And, and going back to the, to, uh, to, to the start. So, so where, where does the idea and the need came from to start? start this pledge and also how did you also convince, or you and your colleagues also convinced internally because in the end it's also something that also costs money Same. and in the end you want to make profits and, and you have shareholders that also <laughs> want to uh, have a return on their investment so so where it come from and how did you also put it on the agenda that it was also part of the the dna of your of the company
1: two years ago i think Re- local regulations a European regulation wasn't uh, that much evolved uh, and it was basically a, a tool for us to get to get ahead of of the discussion and actually show that flexibility with enhanced protections and benefits is actually a feasible model for for the platform economy um so it, it was basically that I was trying to to get ahead of of the conversation and I'm not going to lie. Internal buy-in was challenging, but in the end, we always work with the premise that if couriers are happy with the app and happy with the conditions that they're receiving, that's good for business in the end. So we have a courier experience team, and they constantly measure courier satisfaction uh, because it's important that they are happy with the product, basically. So I think that was the main argument that, that was used. On top of other more numeric arguments that maybe <laughs> we, I mean, we don't have enough time to mention, but but that was the rationale. It's an impact project that that had an impact on on operations. In the end, we received courier feedback that they were very happy with some of the benefits that they received. Of course, for example, not all couriers applied for maternity or paternity leave, but the ones that did were very happy with their experience with global, and in the end, in the long run, that impacts operations.
0: How does it work? So so do you get access to these benefits also compared on how many rides or how many hours your work or how, how, how does it work?
1: That was also, it wasn't a challenge, but it was something that we had to think about because, of course... Uh, there wasn't any regulation in place that could help us say like, okay, if you've done this amount of hours, then you are, are entitled to this sort of benefit. Uh, so what we did, we worked with, with uh, insurance brokers and they help us to build different systems. It depends on the on the country, to be honest, but more or less the logic is if you've done a certain amount of orders in the last X amount of months, then you have access to this, this sort of benefits. Uh, because also... There was a chance that we would face fraud situations where people would just sign up to the app and apply for paternity leave <laughs> in the end. This was put in place with a with a third party provider of of insurance yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah, uh, I think that's a good uh, decision but, <laughs> and I think it also really shows that also flexibility doesn't need to be a, a trade off for uh, security
1: yeah uh, but also I think it 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 really shows that legal and I mean, legal uncertainty prevented us from offering benefits in cer- certain benefits in certain countries, right? And I think that also shows that increased legal certainty also benefits couriers in this case, right?
0: And uh, maybe uh, to also to to dive a bit deeper, also in the four different pillars. So the first is safety or 360 safety.
1: Yeah. So 360 safety, it's, it, it is what it is. That they, I mean, that couriers are safe enough to deliver. And basically, we had two levers to achieve that pillar. We conducted safety training in all of, in every country. These are in-person safety trainings where we usually also gave free gear to the couriers, mostly because this is aligned with FairWorks principles, right? The, the free safety gear. We also, uh, in that pillar, we also included the extra benefits. So this is paternity, paternity leave, and an improved medical insurance for when, I mean, either for when they have accidents or, or they're just sick. So we we also included in the safety pillar to be, well because it, it actually made sense. Then we had the we have the earnings pillars, the earning pillars. Uh, I must be honest, this was the most challenging pillar because earnings are the most important thing for couriers, and they're also the most important thing for operations team. So it's really where the trade offs need to happen. So this is where we use which indicator data we have a process installed in at uh, global uh, where we build a fair earnings per hour metric and this is a, a kpi that the operations team work with constantly they're constantly measuring how i mean how far they are from their from that kpi and that helps us know how fairly we're paying so that was a tool that we use um, and
0: and then, and then how do you de- how do we then define a fair pay
1: say Living wages, uh, similar jobs, how much they're paying, cost, how much that's it, because it's not the same to live in Milan than to live in in Barcelona, uh, and all of that combined basically gave us a, an EPH. The thing is, it's also it's also difficult to build a standard and uh, an earning standard for for the industry because it's it's very different. I mean, in each country, it depends on the time, it depends on the operations that you're that you are running it's not the same whether you are able to book a slot and deliver or if it's just a free login and you just connect but yeah but internally we have that uh, fair eph that we we have as a as a as a kpi
0: and and then uh, when people are are being paid uh, by delivery so so how then do you then measure the the uh, the rate per hour? I think that that's of course one of the biggest discussion in the uh, gig economy.
1: Yes, well, bueno, that's is that's a bit easier for us than it is for other platforms because we have a slot model, so we actually can know how much a courier makes during a slot, which lasts an hour. <laughs> uh, so it's it's not that hard for us. I understand that other platforms pay the de- delivery and couriers can connect and disconnect. So. Uh, it's not that challenging for us to be honest. We just uh, so
0: so so the more spontaneous work is you open the app, you look if you can have a slot right now. Mm-hmm. And if it's possible, then you apply and then you also need to accept all the rights?
1: Uh, not necessarily they don't need to accept all the rights. But that I mean but the fact that they book a slot allows us to know that during that slot, that person delivered X amount of orders and made X amount of, of money, right? So we can we have let's say uh, slot per, per earnings per slot. Date.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, but still, when they have a slot of, of an hour, do they then still get paid by, by 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 delivery or then per hour?
1: No, they still get paid by delivery.
0: Yeah, I think it's 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 a, a bit the same model a model how traditional com- taxi companies also also work also in Netherlands. The the non-platform taxi taxi companies. So so then the, they they also book a slot and then the platform knows upfront. Okay, we think we need so so, so many slots because we can kind of a predict the, a part of the demand and based on that we can open the slots. Right for so many people.
1: It's good for platforms, but it's also good for couriers, at least that's the feedback that we have, because we can also share intel with them and tell them, if you do three slots at this time of the week, these days of the week, you will probably end up making this amount of money. And so this sort of, this kind of visibility is usually appreciated by couriers. That's why we try to keep the slot model in in all markets. I mean, it's it's not everywhere, but in most countries we have this model. Yeah. Uh, and for for earnings, we also activated some extra bonuses, uh, just to increase earnings.
0: So, so what kind of bonuses do you talk about? Uh,
1: it was a tier. We're changing it this year. I, I'm I'm still not sure with 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 type of bonus, but basically, when you reach a certain amount of orders, regardless of the time that it took you to reach that that amount, the bonus was activated.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. And can maybe also give g- g- some more insights in the discussions you had inside also about the earnings because, uh, like you also mentioned, it's the most, yeah, discussed pillar, which is logical because it's it's about making or losing money.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not that juicy, eh? I mean, it's it's the pro- it's like you mentioned at the beginning. We have sh- shareholders, uh, and and i mean pe- i mean the ops team wanted to make as much money as possible and the core experience team and us were, were pushing for fair earnings that's why we all agree on a fair eph and we fair earnings per hour sorry and we work toward that that goal so that allows us to basically challenge the operations team uh, with some let's say tangible numbers right like it allows us to say Similar jobs are paying this amount of money, wage indicator is suggesting this this number, living wages suggests this, cost of living in the city suggests this. If we want to have happy couriers, we need to pay this fair earning per hour.
0: Yeah, so it's also a competitive advantage exactly. uh, to get couriers uh, to uh, execute <laughs> the delivery, which sí. is uh, <laughs> really important, uh, which also, of course, probably difference per country where there's a scarce or, or not so labor markets. And then uh, the, the, the third uh, is is uh, uh, community.
1: We draw inspiration from Fair Work principles, uh, but the community queers basically responds to uh, the role of platforms in building a sense of belonging among the the, the community of queers of that are connected to, to an app.
0: And then how do we do that?
1: Uh, how do we do that? Well, no, we have two main two main tools. First is we put in place an anti-discrimination protocol. This was also because of fair work principles. It's a protocol that allows couriers to say whether they've been mistreated by users, by partners or by a courier, uh, and then Global would basically get involved and kind of like sort the situation. Being super honest, we even blocked some partners because they were mistreating couriers. The Be- partners,
0: the the, the, the sellers, the restaurants, or exactly. shops. Yeah.
1: The goal of this was to increase their their feeling of, of of community and feeling safe. Let's say in this group of people, and then we have a learning platform that we call G Learning, where where couriers can access many different types of learning of courses uh, and get trained. And we also included that in this pillar because uh, we usually do events around this and they can, let's say, keep evolving in a topic and it generates this sense of of community. The last pillar is equality, uh, which basically refers to, I mean, it's a bit similar to community, but not so much, queers being fairly treated in I mean, while they are, they are delivering, and this mostly responds to focus groups. We did a lot of focus groups during the last two years to to hear about couriers. It is true that it's sometimes challenging for to make couriers join these focus groups because they are time-consuming. We most, I mean, for mo- in most cases, would they get a retribution? Um, and then, of course, appeal processes, which is also aligned with fair work principles uh, that Becoming place that come in place whenever uh, someone gets blocked out from the app, and this happens mostly because of, fr- of fraud reasons. Uh, but there are some cases where maybe they were unfairly blocked. So this allows the courier that, like, they don't need to have access to their account because obviously they've been blocked. They can contact Lo and have their their account reactivated again.
0: So maybe in other words, for the equality, it is also uh, transparency or.
1: Yeah. Yeah. See. So if we have a, a website, especially for queers, and we activated, let's say, a, a, an email um, inbox hmm. uh, for queer associations to send messages, messages to Global, uh, we got a lot of messages in that inbox. Mm, I don't know if most of them were queer associations. I think they were just <laughs> angry people. <laughs> but but that was the goal. also, to so that queer associations of groups of queers would know where to send their their thoughts or their complaints
0: okay and and also to to make the principles say so you, you already mentioned fair work and the wage indicator foundation so what was the reason also to work with those in external stakeholders for this for this pledge
1: I think working with with fair work was I think the the challenge was working with the with someone that was very openly critical about the economy right so we figured if we could align this this set of benefits to their principles and and kind of like see how, how we get improved scorings. That would be a good, let's say, metric for the project. And actually, we are currently the best scored uh, platform in Africa, at least for the countries that they've scored until now. Uh, and also, we we genuinely needed guidance on what to offer queers. Uh, it was the first time that it, that I think someone in the industry was going to, I mean, not offer benefits because every platform now has has protections and benefits. Yeah. Activated in for their couriers, for couriers that connect to our app. But to do it, let's say at the program level in all countries, we really needed someone to to guide this this process. Uh, I wasn't there personally, but I think it was a very enriching process discussing with Fairwork um, and which indicator it's basically. So we know that this uh, fair earnings per hour KPI that we have, we know that someone else is is also watching it. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And and probably it also helps you uh, internally to uh, to uh, to uh, to sell your standpoints, to sí. say okay we also get some a- external validation. So yeah, yeah, yeah. they all say it's it's important.
1: Sí. Uh, also, to be honest, I think we expected this to to like having fair work and wage indicator validation. We expect. Uh, that by having that, this would have a, a greater impact in in the rest of the industry, right? I don't, I cannot say being super transparent now. I don't think we had the impact that we were expecting with other platforms, mostly because what like you mentioned budgeting, and and it really it requires a, an internal buy-in that maybe I mean not all companies are, are interested in doing right now. But it is clear that and we we mapped this that. Since we started until now, conditions have improved for couriers, regardless of the platform they're using. So I can share with you later, but we have sort of like a list of of benefits that queers have access to depending on the platform. And the number has been increasing Mm. since 2021, which Mm. is great.
0: And I think it's also a smart move because bringing it together within the pledge, it's also easier to to communicate to the outside world than by saying, yeah, we're doing something there and there and a bit there. So I think it's also for a communication standpoint, it's also a, a smart move.
1: Yes, we need to think now how we communicate it from now on because now that it's launched, benefits are in place. It's not a pledge anymore. We're not committing to anything. It's, I mean, we act, it's it's active, right? Uh, so we need to think how we refer to this process that we've been through for two years. The, re-
0: uh, yeah. the, the rebranding of, uh, of the pledge.
1: Probably, or, or just like this is how we run operations now and and I guess we will be happy to share on new new protections and new benefits and new projects, but it is true that we, we had a commitment, we put an name to it. We, let's say we worked on that for two years. Now we still have the commitment because it's, I mean, it's part of operations. We need to think how we, yeah, how, if, whether we continue to use Pledge or we changing into, changing into something else. Yeah. 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 <laughs> cool,
0: cool. And, and, and also, if you look uh, also into the possibilities of, of also doing more uh, within the pledge, because, because th- there are always things to improve, because there are also some important subjects that are not included in the pledge, like transparency and, and representation. And you could also say that maybe also in safety, also agreements on how the uh, how the algorithms nudge the driver to do to, to their, their work. So, are there also things that you are looking at right now? There's also, now, of course, also some, some regulation already there and also coming uh, within the, the platform work directive, which, of course, only focus on, uh, on, on Europe.
1: And when on the AI Act is also uh, on its way. I think you mentioned two very interesting topics that, I mean, that the sector in general, platforms, regulators... Uh, unions everyone will need to figure out soon one is representation and here i think it's is it's a topic where where legal uncertainty becomes most important right because even if platforms are very much willing to meet all every courier in the world it is true that as long as they don't have a legal mandate to negotiate with platforms i mean it's very hard for platforms to to negotiate with a group of people that do not have a legal persona, right? Uh, so we at the beginning, we activated this inbox for queer associations. In the end, uh, we received a lot of messages. It was very time-consuming to actually go through all, and it's very hard to know whether it's an actual association or, if not, or not if they don't have a legal a legal mandate
0: but but, but maybe you you can also be a a bit more creative on that and probably uh, unions will kill me when i suggest this but to see okay because community is already part of the of the pledge and also by community by also uh, you already mentioned also a focusing group so maybe also within the community aspects and maybe then you don't formalize it as as uh, as a formal representation but maybe invest more in in the community parts by maybe setting some a new pledge on how to, to communicate uh, with uh, the workers and also how they can give feedback and already upfront say, okay, we're going to, to do this and, this and this with the feedback. So maybe formalize those community processes in a way that it looks like re- uh, representation, but it's uh, legally not.
1: It's, it's an exercise that as a sector, we need to do platforms, but also this is, this is not good for couriers during like when regulation is being done, right? Because it's also very hard to include couriers who in the end are the most impacted group of people in regulatory processes if they also don't have a, a legal mandate, right? So yeah, we can get creative. But in the end, I mean, in the end, when you want to negotiate, it comes to to, to being certain that this group of people actually represents a bigger mass of people. And so it's, it's complicated. For example, in Spain, I think there are like I want to say 1500 uh, couriers connected to the app. How can we be certain that a group of 30 people represent 1500, right? Uh, it's it's very hard. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah I can I mention it? Because, yeah, it's, it's, it's also a quite heterogenic population. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 yeah. There, really are, there
1: are communities, of course, within the courier community. So, yeah. And algorithms, I think we're also, we will need to get there. It's actually, it's hard to think. How to explain algorithms to people that are not experts. And I think we're in the in the process of having data scientists and social experts understanding each other so we can talk about algorithms in a way that everyone can understand, right? Like even I don't know if you know a lot about algorithms, but I'm a lawyer. <laughs> you know, I also struggle sometimes. Um I know we have we have some explanations for couriers on, let's say, dynamics of the app. Um, that sometimes are related to an algorithm, sometimes not. Uh, Yeah. And I I also, we also think that it's it's really not about the algorithm, right? It's about the rules that mandate certain dynamics. Mm -hmm. So we need to find a way to explain it in a way that people feel safe when they know that they're interacting with an algorithm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, maybe also a trusted third party that's that's that checks to also that you also comply. I think the the, the big five or six accounting firms they are now really looking to to algorithms, uh, not not only from a social perspective, but also because when a, when when the algorithm is is the core of your company, you, you also want to understand it yourself because else it's also a business risk when when things go wrong with that. I think it's about a a combination of unbundling and bundling social security and and these kind of things within the relationship with the worker in the most of the times it's it's about the freelancer the independent contractor versus the employed person and then they forget all the uh, informal markets and all the different variables uh, that there are in real life but not on paper not for the lawyers (laughs) so but the basic response of 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 somebody who's working for a union say okay it's nice you're doing this but just employ them because then everything is also okay yeah. But we we know that's it's, it's it's different, especially also you also operating in different regions in the world where where yeah employment means many different things for the individual.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think everyone is starting to feel like that the, that question, like why don't you just employ people, is is getting a bit old, right? Because of exactly what you're saying, like there are situations happening in real life that are not in paper that are not reflected in paper, and sometimes. Yeah, just employing them doesn't necessarily translate into them. Having better working conditions.
0: We, uh, you mentioned a, a more outdated discussion, and I also, also uh, see something in that. But I think in the end there's some cycles in debates. That's uh, that thing that's that still do. And maybe also because they also say, okay, but okay, w- when you're employed, maybe it's not perfect. But then you can have uh, collective bargaining, and then you can also have collective agreements yeah. uh, where you can make. So maybe we also need to think about a system where you can also can have collective agreements for not only for for employed people.
1: And by the way, there are some employed people in the. Platform from economy who are employees and, and that works for that sort of, let's say, of, of gig work, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that having an employment contract would work for everyone. And I guess that's the, the key discussion, like, okay, people who actually are checking all of the boxes of an employment status should be employees. The rest, maybe, we need to have these discussions and figure out what... What labor status they should hold
0: yeah, yeah. yeah because that's uh, 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 a global employees percentage in. of the
1: fleet in Spain is is hired
0: yeah and 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 does the, the pledge also then still applies uh, to them yeah yeah bless yeah. everyone yeah.
1: that's why we wanted to activate co- uh, protections to everyone regardless of their working status and of course that was challenges challenging in some in some countries because of legal uncertainty mm-hmm. uh, but but that was that was the point right like that it doesn't matter whether you have an employment I mean an employment contract or not you should have like if platform work is here to stay and it's going to be a way of working people should be protected yeah uh, but yeah
0: <laughs> and then also uh, when I asked about the start of the pledge she said okay our first idea was to have a kind of a let me frame it as a code of conduct for the the, the markets of delivery platforms but in the end you decide okay we're going to do so we're going to do it in our way you think also when you also look on the, the development and also did a future let's say in five years do you think it's still possible to to have a kind of an industry standard, or do you think okay, it's maybe just good to focus on ourselves and let us inspire others or not, and see what they do?
1: I hope there is an industry standard in five years. I mean, at least we should have platform directive <laughs> introducing some type of standard in European countries. Other other regions maybe are, are more challenging, emerging markets. Oof. It's hard to say. It's <laughs> it's a very it's a very fast changing industry, but in five years we should have more. Cer- I mean, more clarity on 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 what's the best way to to increase legal certainty for the sector for everyone for couriers, even for for uh, businesses connected to the app. Everything.
0: Yeah. 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 yeah
1: uh... I'm sorry. That was a bit of a vague. The answer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're a lawyer, I know. <laughs> no way <we're in laughs> about that. Uh, so so I think also one of the last questions is also where do you see the pledge going in five years? I think in five years it doesn't is name the pledge anymore, but but something <laughs> else uh, we already discussed about something about the representation at some way. And there's also a nice concept about the worker, about the worker cooperative, where the the delivery riders come together in a cooperative, and and by a cooperative they negotiate with the platform. Which is also a nice academic concept so that maybe uh, is nice to check. We also talked about things. Okay, how can we also make the algorithm more uh, transparent, maybe also, more, maybe also accountable? So so where do you see this this pledge or or whatever the name will be in five years going?
1: Uh. I, I cannot tell you in particular on what topics we, we're going to evolve this. But what I can tell you is I think this base of benefits that we've implemented during these two years are here to stay. We, we're not going back. So the idea is to go forward. Uh, and I think ideally in five years, we should have a set of benefits that are very much related to the reality of queers in, in each, in each yeah. city, ideally in each country, region. Uh, I think that's... That's the interest. That would be an interesting next steps for for pledge. Uh, it's not the same to activate co- uh, protections and benefits in I don't know SE than in Africa, than in Southwest Europe. So probably conversations are going to get way way more local, way more specific, uh, and and we will start seeing different models for the platform economy. Uh, and I think protections and benefits will. Probably respond to this to to all of this local uh, flavors
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think then also combined also with new regulation that 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 will also be be of course part of the decision you're going to to, to make and then also my last question so so what drives you uh, to do this and 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 when is 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 the pledge also for you a uh, a personal success
1: Uh, what drives me i think it was well hearing personal story really drives everyone here at Globo. It's because big numbers are great. For example, on our G-learning platform, I think well, I don't know, we train a lot of couriers. I can tell you that 70% of the couriers now connected to Globo have access to to benefits that we installed. Uh, but we've heard some very nice stories of people that are actually, I don't know, we're able to to get a, a better uh, like a job that maybe they were more interested in because of some training that they go through global a lot of couriers getting eyeglasses in, in Africa because of us that was that was nice and one bueno, paternity like offering paternity leave is great I know we of we gave a lot of paternity leaves in Georgia <laughs> and and I think personally because I'm a lawyer <laughs> uh, I find it very interesting to see how how this this r- relatively new sector is being... Ends up being regulated, right? So I think it's very interesting to see this sort of like corporate initiatives and and how they resonate and whether they end up being similar to what's actually regulated. So I think this whole experience from a from a law perspective is actually also very interesting to me, right? And seeing all of the let's say limitations because of of current laws in place and and how in one place you can offer courier certain things and in another place you cannot. It's it's actually very interesting to, to see these nuances and, and legal um, particularities.
0: I like how Glove was trying to improve the conditions of riders with its pledge. Here, it is important to note that in many countries where Glovo operates, work as a rider is usually in the informal market. What I found most interesting about their approach is that they look at what the needs of riders are in each country and adapt to the pledge accordingly. While many people think that platforms have a one-size-fits-all strategy, there is plenty of academic literature to contradict this. This story from Glovo fits perfectly into this list. Is this case perfect? Of course not. There are still plenty of open discussions. For instance, one could ask whether in countries where the employment contract does offer relevant protection, the employment contract is not a better option after all. And such a pledge could complement everything laid down in the employment contract. However, it is important to bear in mind here that Glovo operates in a sector where usually the conditions for workers are not something to be proud of as a society. For Glovo, it's a balance between what is allowed, what is possible and what is economically viable. There are also important elements that are not yet in the pledge. These include transparency and explainability and accountability of automatically decision-making processes and, and also, of course, worker representation. A subject that, in my opinion, is now a little too easily dismissed as not legally possible. In my opinion, somehow, there should be a way to work around this. Overall, an interesting case study on how to provide additional securities for working people in different areas and carry this through the different countries that each have a different institutional and cultural landscape. Thanks for listening to the podcast brought to you by the Wage Indicator Foundation. And don't forget to subscribe. Also, check our weekly newsletter and online webinars on the global gig economy. You will find the links in the show notes.